0: Here, money grows in rows. This is the Midwest Farm Report.
1: Good morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you. Kicking off the work week, I hope everyone was able to cool down and relax this weekend after the heat wave we experienced. We'll enjoy pretty normal temperatures and lots of sunshine during this last week of August and into Labor Day weekend. Stuma comes on in about 15 minutes with those details. Please don't be shy with your own forecast and field reporting. We want to hear from you, and it's easy for you to talk to us through our talk text line. Just be sure to include your name and location. Text us at 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Today, we take a look at how agriculture education is making an impact in the largest city in Wisconsin, an area you wouldn't normally think of when you think of farming. And speaking of education, now that families are in back-to-school mode, grocery stores adapt to your new routine. We talk about it all. Stick around.
2: New location, new vision, same goal. The Farm and Industry Short Course is producing high-quality graduates ready for success in the dairy industry. The oldest agriculture training program in Wisconsin has stood the test of time. The 16-week program returns for fall 2023 at UW-River Falls. Learn from world-class faculty, live in the residence halls, earn college credits, and create lifelong friendships. Register today at uwrf.edu.
3: It's been a summer of heat, lots of sunshine, and we're learning more and more about how to harness that sunshine and use it to our advantage, specifically producing power. Cameron Olson of Olson Solar Energy started a business to do just that recently. He works a lot with farmers. I'm Bob Osel at the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire, and Cameron told us it's something that uh, turned out to be kind of a a family affair. Getting the business started a few years ago, kind of a fun story. So
4: in 2017, uh, Brandon, my brother, and uh, I were actually living on opposite sides of the country. Brandon in Washington State, and myself in North Carolina. Um, and we came back to go live in the same area. Uh, when we came back, Brandon had a lot of exposure to solar energy and renewables in Washington State, and realized there wasn't a lot of solar companies in the area. So he came to me with the idea, we should start a solar company. Uh, I thought it was awesome and we actually registered the idea, or registered our company in October of 2017. Um, After October 2017, uh, we took online classes and then we were fortunate enough that there was a gentleman that had been doing uh, solar energy for uh, a lot of years down in Prairie du Chien and actually was looking to close his company down and came with us in 2018 on the jobs that we were installing so that way we could have a mentor to kind of show us how this works and what we're trying to do. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, 2018, um, we sold and installed four systems and we've had just rapid growth since then. And this was down in the La Crosse area. Uh, 2019, we actually sold and installed 32 systems. In 2020, uh, we did 110. And then in 2021 we did 310 and then uh, last year 554 and we hope to do around 600 this year so
3: now by systems you're putting in are these uh, on farm systems are they for businesses in town how big are these systems Great question. Uh,
4: so we do a, a variety of both. So we do residential, commercial, and agricultural solar systems. Our primary customer is still commercial or residential, and that accounts for probably about 90% of our business, um, with the last 10% being agriculture and uh, commercial. But this year we've seen a huge uptick in our agricultural customers um, simply because of the grants and the funds that you can get to install these solar
3: systems. Tell us about the, the farms as far as the challenges that might present to put a solar system in or is it a natural fit? Uh, It's a
4: natural fit. One of the things uh, that goes with solar systems is that you need space. Um, A lot of the agriculture places that we're putting uh, these systems on, there's huge barns on the farms that we can put uh, solar panels and a lot of them on there. Uh, Most farms have huge energy bills. Uh, It can be one of your largest monthly expense that you have uh, as a farmer and this is a guaranteed expense that you've had for since the farm has been around of energy expenses where you can actually get this Uh, taken care of and and have energy uh, taken care of by the solar so that bill can go away.
3: 100% taken care of? Uh,
4: It depends on everyone's situation, but our goal when we design our systems is 100% offset. That's what our goal is. That's what we're looking for. That's the best opportunity for a good ROI for your system.
3: Now, we know technology changes about every 20 minutes. From the time you guys started back in uh, six, seven, eight years ago, How has technology changed and what kind of improvements have we seen? Uh, It's interesting. You know, every year
4: uh, we have, actually uh, most of the time, twice a year, we have a different panel come out. Um, The nice thing is about... Our technology that we're selling, uh, as opposed to because everybody, one one thing to relate to is the the iPhone. You you walk into Verizon, you go get the new iPhone, or you walk into your cell you know your cell provider, you get a new iPhone or you get a new cell phone. As you're walking out, they're putting the poster up of the new cell phone that's <laughs> you know this brand new thing, um, and then eventually that cell phone that you have in your pocket's gonna, going to just be out of uh, date and it's not going to work anymore because they're not going to update the software um, for solar energy uh, it's still it's very mechanical of the nature of how it's installed so even though that they're coming out with new solar panels it doesn't hurt your investment or make your investment less valuable
3: so is it interchangeable as far as new technology it's pretty much uh, we can go in and update it without much of a without changing the whole system that's exactly what you can do.
4: And you know the, the software components and features of the solar system where you can actually uh, see what the panels are producing, even that, there's not a lot to the software side of it. It's really more of a mechanical. There's a panel, uh, there's wiring in there, and then there's the element that is that produces the solar and the energy that goes down into the grade, grid. So it's wiring and, like I said, a mechanical and feature, so you don't really have to worry about that software component of your system becoming
3: out of date and obsolete it's not quite set it and forget it i wouldn't think but is this like we have robotic milkers on dairy farms and farmers can look at their cell phone when it tells them something might be wrong is it basically the same kind of system or does the the power company where some of this excess power might go be able to see there's a problem how does it all work so that it's not much work for the farmers I guess
4: so actually it is a set it and forget it system that is our goal uh, there is an uh, an app and a software that you can go in and look to see what individual panel is producing what each individual panel is producing uh, so that way you can tell if there's something wrong or if there's something right about the solar system you know we encourage all of our customers to take a look at that you know as often as you want to it is kind of fun getting to see finally the dial turn the other direction <laughs> instead of just adding up for more price. Uh, uh, but um, it is a set it and forget it system. That is our goal. Uh, we sell the components that we sell. The inverters are twenty five year warranted. The panels are twenty five year warranted. Uh, our labor is twenty five year warranted. The racking is twenty five year uh, warranted. So th- the goal for us is a. System that's going to last for 25 years that you don't really have to work or focus a lot on. Most of us don't want to be adding adding another thing that I have to watch or another thing that I have to pay attention to. That's the goal of our solar systems: is they get plugged in, they work, and that's our goal. So uh, in 25 years, you just have a good system that's a good investment that's uh, earned you a lot of money.
3: For a farmer, you've got to be thinking that if I have excess energy, I can sell it on the grid, sell it to Western Dairy land or whoever it might be is that advisable or should they just be looking at powering what they need on their farm and maybe a little excess the way that we design
4: our systems is we look for a hundred percent offset so if you use 10,000 kilowatt hours in a year our goal is to have a solar system produce 10,000 kilowatt hours in a year of course a farm might be way higher than that but uh, that's our goal when we're designing our systems and during the day, uh, from a day-to-day perspective, you'll produce a lot during, when the sun's out and during the day, of course, you still use energy at night uh, and that's where the energy company, we're will, will still connected into the grid. So you're still connected into the energy company and you'll use that energy that uh, the grid is providing at night, but during the day, you'll send excess to the grid and then that's what the energy company will offset and that's where the ROI really comes into play. Um, from a bigger perspective, uh, during the summer Summer months, you'll produce excess during the summer months, and you'll store that over for the winter because the winter your solar is probably not going to produce what you need. And again, our goal is 100%. So, 10,000 kilowatt hours that you use, we want to produce 10,000 kilowatt hours. Uh, it's not super advantageous to try, you know, you're not going to be a solar plant, uh, an energy plant here um, that's really not uh, advantageous for our customers. So our goal really is that 100% offset.
3: As we uh, look at some of the the technology, some of the concerns we hear from people, rightly or wrongly, the batteries. How much do batteries play a part in on-farm solar energy and What's the latest on batteries? You know, we hear what's going to happen when they wear well, out. Where do we store them? Where do we have to worry about pollution? What's the situation with that? more good questions. So uh, they have,
4: uh, you know, only about 10% of our customers actually buy the batteries. So we don't actually have a, a huge amount of customers that are buying batteries. And from a farmer's application of these huge solar systems that they need to be able to offset these giant energy bills, really not um, feasible as of now. Uh, down the road, um, I do think that they're going to be putting more effort towards the batteries and we'll start seeing more uh, micro grids as, as they're commonly referred to where you'll have batteries that are truly moving more towards an off-grid situation where I don't need the energy company as much and I'm really just using my own batteries and my own solar. Uh, but as of right now, the the, the technology is just not really there yet from a farmer's
3: application. And I guess a uh, question farmers might be sitting out there asking, how much does the system cost? How do I fit it for my farm? How long does it take to install it? really really
4: hard question to answer (laughs) but uh, what I like to tell our customers because I know that's, of course, one of the biggest questions is, I don't know if I really want to start the process of talking to us or going down the road of getting a quote if it's just not even feasible of what I've got going on. Um, One thing to note is that our salespeople, uh, they are no pressure. They do consultations where they'll come out and they'll just talk to you about solar. So you get to know that information. Um, All of our uh, estimates are free. (laughs) So we make sure that uh, it's, it's a really warm and inviting situation for you to talk to the salesperson and just get to know about this. Stuff you know, our solar systems that we sell typically we see around a 10 year payback, so if you're If you're using, um, let's say that uh, you you spend $100 a month on your energy bill, you're spending around (laughs) $1,200 a year. So a 10-year payback would be around $12,000. Really, really rough number. But with farmers, uh, because there's uh, grants and there's uh, different incentives that you can take advantage of, we're seeing even lower paybacks than that. In fact, uh, we just signed up a a large farm in Ettrick that saw, I think it was a four-year payback. Now, this is a 25-year warrantied system. So they're essentially paying four years of their energy up front for 21 years of free energy behind it, where they're just going to just be able to just make that money on that system. You can't beat that type of ROI and that type of investment. I mean, it's 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 pretty...
3: You got a waiting list to get uh, these things installed, or uh, how long does it take to get them put in, Cameron?
4: Our typical time frame of getting a system contracted and then actually installed is around 120 days. Bigger systems can take longer just because the permitting and the uh, jurisdictional uh, paperwork that we have to fill out is a lot longer. If you are a farm that's going to be taking advantage of uh, one of the grants, um, we will help you with the grant as well. So that can also add some time, but 120 days is kind of that that time frame that we really like to stick around.
3: Cameron Olson of Olson Solar Energy here in Wisconsin. And as you drive around the countryside, more and more of those solar panels are showing up on the roofs of our barns and sheds from the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. I'm Bob Boesold.
0: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
5: Goodman's Jewelers has been providing a sparkle to Madison since 1933. That's a lot of great memories. John Hayes for Goodman's Jewelers. We've been caring for generations of customers, and during that time our strengths have been trust, service, and selection. Those traits are who we are, and that will never change. Goodman's Jewelers, a destination worth reaching. 220 State Street, goodmansjewelers.com.
0: The best is at Goodman's.
2: At Bergstrom Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before, join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes. At Bergstrom Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Bergstrom Automotive. Join the Bergstrom Automotive family for the yes.
6: This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center.
7: Sweeta Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof
2: anymore.
5: There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters.
2: It's one and done.
5: It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength
0: and beauty of a sweeta metal roof.
7: S-W-I-T-A-Metal Roofing.com.
0: Sweeta metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report.
1: It's time now for your computer financial egg weather update with Stu Muck and Stu. It sounds like the cool front that broke up our heat wave did bring some rain uh, to different areas of the state. My sidewalk here in Madison got wet and didn't do enough to save my flowers. But Greg from West Bend sent us a text. He got just shy of an inch and a half in his gauge when he checked it Saturday morning. But it sounds like uh, that may be it for chances of rain in the near future.
8: Well, there will be a really small chance, Stephanie. Call it uh, early Tuesday morning or right after sunrise on Tuesday morning for most of us i don't expect a lot i mean don't hold your breath don't cross your fingers i I don't think you'll be comfortable and it's probably not going to help we have high pressure over the state today we'll enjoy some sunshine we don't get those upper 90 temperatures back just a fine summer day in store but there is a weak cool front way off to the north up on the uh, northern u.s and southern canadian border that weak front is providing some very scattered light rain north of minnesota the radar says this morning there's a small little area of showers just west of Warsaw. That's really small. It isn't going to hold together, but we expect that cool front out of Canada to drop in and lead to some rain chances, maybe this evening or just after dark at La Crosse. And it may not be until early tomorrow at Madison, but that weak cool front drops through just a little bit of light rain, a possibility not going to amount to much. It cools us off once again. In fact, we drop down toward lower 70s for midweek around Wednesday we turn it around again later on, and I expect for folks with a big, long weekend coming up, daytime highs in the upper 80s and 90s, summertime weekend weather is on the way. I'll have forecast details right after this.
0: rural keeping Wisconsin strong.
2: Farmers deal with a lot, including long days, stress, and fatigue. This is your reminder to take breaks, stretch, have a snack, and hydrate your body. Avoid farm accidents by keeping yourself healthy. Visit RuralMutual.com to learn how Rural Mutual supports Wisconsin farmers and prioritize safety on the farm.
0: Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong.
1: From what you told me, Stu, it sounds like this week is going to be a nice last hurrah for summer before pretty much all the schools will be in session.
8: Well, yeah, school will get back underway, that's for sure. But, you know, there's still a lot of summertime weather, a lot of outdoor activities, and uh, number one work, of course, on the farm that we're going to enjoy some nicer weather for as well. We look at today, sunny skies, a great day. In the low 80s, winds will become southwest through the day at about 5. Generally a clear sky tonight, a slight chance of a shower in western Wisconsin later evening, end of the nighttime, a slight chance in eastern Wisconsin toward daybreak, nighttime lows in the low 60s, maybe an upper 50 here or there, and winds out of the south about 5 to 10. That rain chance ending in the west and east really early, just a slight chance of a shower, say, toward Madison and further south early tomorrow morning and otherwise becoming relatively sunny again, dropping into the upper 70s as winds will become north at about 5 to 10, and sunny Wednesday, a comfortable day, very low 70s with the northeast winds at 5 to 10. Stephanie, it warms up after that upper 70s Thursday and the 80s Friday, and more likely around 90 for the weekend. All those weekend county fairs are going to have a hot way to wrap up the season.
1: Absolutely, but but enjoyable at the same time. Stu Muck along with us, our egg meteorologist. Stu, the fabulous farm babe, will be back with you tomorrow morning. Have a good rest All of the right. week.
8: Yeah, you too. Bye now.
1: That's your Compere Financial egg weather update. Compere Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. You can visit Compere.com.
0: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam
9: Youngke.
7: What BioVet does, and where the livestock producer gets their benefit, is our technology helps them with the things that they sometimes don't even know they're missing out on. Not just worrying about animals when they're sick, but trying to keep them as healthy and happy as possible as well. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support. That's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com.
10: Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com
6: you can't change the price of gas or groceries but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Rinnai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40 percent more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Benjamin Plumbing. Huh. Nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress charlie Hydels for 52 days people like charlie are scattered all across dane county and because the need is there so are we this year we'll supply nearly four hundred thousand dollars in bedding furniture clothing and household items to people like charlie just one part of the more than 1.4 million dollars in food shelter and other goods and services we provide we're William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration,
10: your custom jeweler. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business
7: for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant.
1: Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good
7: dirt. Collini Topsoil. Now that's good dirt.
0: If you're talking, they will hear you. Hold every single time.
10: Oh, we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle and some other kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's a first offense, right? that we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt, that's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um,
2: nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so I...
10: Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it too. I'm not saying that Matt's gonna be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he gonna know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill, but they hear more than you think. Talk, they hear you.
0: For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov.
5: There's a lot of superheroes for our sporting teams that we uh, cheer for. I'll go back to the year of 2008. A Herculean performance. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. A guy named CC Sabathia put the brewers on his freaking back. He went to 11-2 with a 1.65 ERA, working frequently on three days rest. Brewers a complete game effort in the finale for a 3-1 win over the Scrubs that clinched the franchise's first postseason berth in a generation well guess what's happening today at American Family Field CC Sabathia is returning to Milwaukee and gonna be waving hello to everyone for the 15th anniversary CC Sabathia the anniversary already the 2008 playoff run what a time Man, fifteen years ago, as a Milwaukee Brewers fan, yeah, that
7: might have arguably arguably been about the three best months you'll see from a pitcher.
5: Unbelievable! In fact, here is CC Yeah.
10: I don't think an organization would let anybody do that, you know, these days, um, just from health wise. I mean, I think for me, I felt good, you know, I like I I, I was healthy, I felt great, and um, you know, there's never a time in 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 your career where you feel like where you know you're gonna win the games. Like I knew I was gonna win those games. There, you know, like <laughs> never a time in my career where I knew I was gonna go out and win a baseball game. There's I never felt like that. So I'm like, I want to pitch as many days as possible. Like I'm healthy, I feel great, like we need this. Our team is, you know, on the run, we're having fun. It was a great group of guys. And um, you know, I was I just I felt obligated and and to and compelled to do it. The only thing I never got tired, I just got mentally it was exhausting because, you know, you wake up and every two days it's like your day to pitch. You know what I mean? So <laughs> going through the routine of like my pitch day got a little exhausting, but physically I felt great.
5: And then you got to hear people like Grant Bills or Ben Kenny come on to say, we can't let pitchers pitch a full game. Their arm's going to fall off. will someone please think of the health of them? CeCe Sabathia, a guy who actually does it, did it. And did it well. Said, I knew I was winning those games. Let me pitch. That's what I want to do. Then we heard these soy boys come on to say, you can't let pitchers go over 100 pitches. Well, Ooh, yeah, man. Ben, ben was definitely mad, invisibly
7: mad on Twitter about <laughs> the Philadelphia Phillies allowing Michael Lorenzen yeah. to throw 124 pitches, throw the no-hitter, the biggest moment in his baseball career.
5: But, imagine if those betas were in charge of the Brewers we never would have got a CeCe Sabathia moment moments like that well here's
7: the thing it's like okay well he's not gonna be as good the next time and he, he could get hurt and he, eh. well here's here's the deal the guy throws a no-hitter it's the best moment in his life the next. Start. He's probably not going to be as good just because the public thinks he's going to be great, and he just worked the the most he's worked on a on a you know a, a day in general. So they get to have their moment. Us as betters get to fade them. The next start, we get to have our moment. It's win win for everybody.
0: Yeah.
7: And um. But yeah, I mean, looking at C. Sabathia, unbelievable. The dude. Walked away from baseball with 251 wins. He hit that. See, back in the day, it used to be like Hall of Famer, right? Roger Clemens. I know he's not in the Hall of Fame. But Should like be. Clemens, Maddox, Glavin, all those guys, 300 wins. That was like the, the you had to get to 300 wins.
5: Yeah, 300 was the mark. That was like, that's how you you were a beast. Yeah, that you were the starting was pitcher going into the Hall
7: of Fame if you could get 300. Yep. Well, CC Sabathia is clearly not from that Maddox, era, uh, Clemens, Johnson era, but he got to 251, Mm. and 250 is a big number out there for these generations that are post 1990s. You know what I mean? Like he's a Hall of Famer. Now you're looking at guys and like some of the the generation here. It's like Clayton Kershaw. I think he's slightly over 200 wins. He's one of the best pitchers from this generation. And then you look around and you're like, well. Who who else is going to get to even 200 wins? CC got to 250. Yeah. I mean That's Wayne Wayne Wright is at I think 198 and my god has he been bad this year. And I I hope that Wayno gets to 200 just for his sake cuz he he'd been a really good player for a long time. Yeah, he's at and, 198 right on. And yep. look at his numbers this year. He's bad yeah, his at war, practice. His his war this year is minus 2.6. Yeah, he's he's been batting practice, Yikes. and it didn't he help. eight point six one. See, he was one of the guys that was actually pitching for the World Baseball Classic, and he hurt his groin really bad in the World Baseball Classic, and didn't start the season on time. Hasn't been the same, but here's a crew
0: perfectly comfortable using Baylor twine as a belt. This is the Midwest Farm Report.
1: Welcome back. I'm Stephanie Hoff, along with you on Monday, August twenty eighth. Today in the Old Farmer's Almanac, it is the feast day for St. Augustine. St. Augustine is the patron saint for printers and brewers. So beer brewers get their own saint. I wonder if that includes the Milwaukee brewers. They take on the Cubs tonight at 7 o'clock. Also in the Old Farmer's Almanac, it says August 28th is a good day to castrate animals and perm your hair. Two very different tasks, but according to the almanac, that should be on your to-do list today. The sun rises this morning at 6.17 a.m. It sets tonight at 6.45. And if you take a look, the moon is almost full. That will come midweek. That's what's happening in the Old Farmer's Almanac this morning. But now it's back to school season, which means families are adjusting to new routines. And this includes what you're buying at the grocery store. Brandon Scholes is the president and CEO of the Wisconsin Grocers Association. And he tells us how grocery stores are adjusting to changing trends and their customers' new schedules.
9: Well, you know, over the last couple of years, things changed dramatically because when COVID hit and the school shut down, that changed not only the, the school lunch program, but also what parents prepared for their kids in their lunch boxes and backpacks. So you were you know you're removing to three meals a day at home, and you saw things like family meals month in September. But now that we've kind of moved out of that cycle, and while family meals month are still important, and you still do see a lot of three meals a day, you know you're back now to uh, preparation for lunch. Are you making kids sandwiches? Or are you you know preparing something to put in a container? So you, you, are, you have shifted from making meals at home to back to that traditional, what are you going to put in the kids' lunchbox?
1: For families listening to this, are there certain sales that usually happen this time of year with food retailers?
9: Well, you might be surprised to know that grocers know when school starts, and they're going to put stuff on sale. So you can look for combo things that they also get help from their suppliers, whether it's, you know, um, Besides just kind of the basic sandwiches and and chips and things like that, you might see fruit on sale. You might see, you know, healthier uh, products on sale. There's been a lot of uh, push towards more nutritional eating, more nutritional habits. So I think you might find, you know, moms and dads looking for things like that in the store that they could put in the lunchbox that are either maybe already prepared, so, uh, you know, a nutrition bar. Um, protein bar in addition to a sandwich, in addition to a piece of fruit, and, you know, a container of milk. Now, those are the sorts of things that kind of go to healthy eating, good nutrition, uh, easy to put together, stuff that kids like.
1: You know, speaking of milk, Brandon, milk is an option at school if you're eating school lunch. Any insight to, to the popular lunch beverages that are going off the shelves at grocery stores, though, for kids that bring their lunch to school?
9: You walk through the beverage and soft drink section lately, you, you have a you have a selection that will you know boggle your mind. Everything from you know a, you know protein drink and a health drink to something that's uh, you know a, a diet zero kind of soft drink to all sorts of juices, and now you see all these high end protein drinks coming through. So a lot of choices out there, and it's tough for parents to try and figure out what is the best option for their kids because. Sometimes parents and kids don't agree on what the best things are to buy in the store. Parents are always right, but sometimes they got to give it to their kids, too.
1: Well, and it's got to be hard for our grocery stores, too, to decide what takes up that valuable shelf space. What do grocers have to think about, or what's that process in what goes on the shelf and what just can't have the room?
9: But, like I said, it's been a transition to kind of get back to normal shopping after we went through COVID and people had changed their shopping habits somewhat. But what grocers look for, obviously, they look for what their customers are buying. That's the first signal of what you want to continue to keep on shelf. Everybody tunes into what's the newest trend, what is, you know, what's the newest thing out there. Certainly, the manufacturers of these products are working with their grocers to let them know what new products are coming down the way, whether it's a, you know, uh, maybe it's a new flavor of bread or maybe it's a new uh, process, you know, maybe it's a new sliced meat in the deli. Could be new cheeses uh, that Wisconsin dairy farmers are putting together. Uh, like I said, any of those things that go in the lunchbox, it's what grocers are looking at. They're looking to see what sort of trends there are. You know, are parents buying the same things for their kids? Uh, that they've bought in the past. You, you pay a lot of attention to what's what's going on out there for the manufacturing side, but also social media plays a role because you can tap into what what kids are talking about and you know what they may like.
1: The weather that we've been having, not just here locally, but across the United States, California just got off of a record tropical storm. There were wildfires going on in Hawaii, and I, I just wanted to to tune in to see if that is something that grocers have to be aware of, too, when it comes to their own supply chain? You
9: know, Stephanie, it's a great question because people may not understand that they're, that the food that they buy in grocery stores comes from not only all over Wisconsin, but it comes from across the country, from South America, from Mexico, and from Europe. So food, whether it's processed or fresh or, or you know, prepared, comes from all over. And and when you have these natural disasters, as as well as other I want to say, man-made disasters. So, for example, the supply chain for the last couple of years has really been out of whack because it hasn't had enough workers, and that's why you've seen a lot of things in grocery stores be in short supply or empty shelves. But every day, every week, grocers have to be, you know, on their toes working with their suppliers to see if, you know, the, the tropical storm Hillary that's landed in California is really going to impact harvesting of, of strawberries or lettuce or any kind of fruits and vegetables does the weather across the country really impact the growth i mean you know far farmers in wisconsin and across the country have been dealing with droughts and, and things that have really either hurt harvest and production or certainly have changed and slowed it down so not only for, as a grocer do you have to be on your toes to see what's coming but if you're a supplier And you know, if you're supplying, you know, tomatoes, and the weather goes bad and the crop goes bad, you've got to find out if you could find tomatoes from other parts in the country or in South America or elsewhere to make sure that you meet the demand from your grocers. So there, there are a lot of people involved in trying to make sure that not only are you putting current, contemporary, you know, higher demand things on the shelves, but also that you have the ability to supply those typical traditional items uh, that are impacted by weather and natural disasters and man-made disasters.
1: He says there's not a particular product today that grocery stores are struggling to acquire. It's a developing story on if the recent storms in California will impact fruit and vegetable supply chains. Brandon Scholz, along with us, president of the Wisconsin Grocers Association, giving us an update as your local grocery store prepares for your new back-to-school routines and meal plans. Now, let's take a look at our grain markets on a Monday morning from Chicago. Cash corn is up four cents trading at four seventy four and three quarters. December new crop corn is also up four cents at four ninety two Cash soybeans are up four and three quarters cents trading at thirteen eighty five and three quarters and November new crop beans are trading up ten and a half cents at thirteen ninety eight and a quarter. The September wheat contract, the only thing that's down this morning, trading down three and a half cents at five eighty-nine and three quarters. Some of the headlines you'll find this morning at MidwestFarmReport.com. A team at UW Madison is making it easier to access local weather data. Researchers have been transitioning 14 weather stations across the state to a new program called WiscoNet. So in the coming months, WiscoNet will be installing new stations in Dane. Sauk, Jackson, and Clark counties, this is part of the planned expansion to 90 weather stations, including at least one station in every county. Again, you can find more details on that project at MidwestFarmReport.com. Taking a look at our fluid milk prices this morning, the September Class 3 milk contract is up 3 cents at 18.97 a hundredweight. October milk is up a nickel at 1870. Hey, stick around. Up next, we take a look at how agriculture education is making a difference in urban Wisconsin.
0: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: The policy development process for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau benefits farmers because if you have an issue, you can bring that forward and it's a grassroots organization. You vote on it at your county, district, and then it eventually goes to the state level, and policy could be developed on the issue that you have.
5: WFBF.com.
1: Let's solve your issue.
6: A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. This looks like a car. It has tires. Headlights, a hood windshield wipers the doors look like car doors open like them too there's a front seat back seat steering wheel 99.9% of the time this would be a car but it's not this is a bedroom Anita Washington's for five weeks there are people like Anita all across Dane County and because the need is there so are we This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need.
0: If you combine pajamas and rubber boots to check on the barn, we welcome you. This is the Midwest Farm Report.
2: When most people think of FFA, they tend to think of strong agricultural roots in a rural background. However, FFA is making its way into more urban school districts. The Milwaukee Vincent High School Agricultural Education Program is an example of FFA and agriculture thriving in the most urban area of Wisconsin. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report, and I'm speaking with Tyler Foote, one of the agricultural education instructors at Milwaukee, Vincent. He shares more about how the program works in an urban setting. What education courses do you offer in an urban setting like Milwaukee?
11: So at Vincent High School, we offer six different pathways that focus on agricultural education. The first one is agribusiness and entrepreneurship. And that's what I focus on. What's unique about Vincent High School is that we have six different agriculture teachers. And I know that in traditional agricultural education settings, it's often one teacher, one teacher program where they teach multiple classes, natural resources, animal science, food science. So we're really lucky to have six different pathways and six different teachers. So I teach the agribusiness and entrepreneurship pathway. We then have animal science, culinary arts, food science environmental science and horticulture science. Students have the opportunity as a freshman to take all of our six pathways in a rotation style class. So they get six weeks with each teacher and each pathway where they learn the basics of our program, our pathway, excuse me, and what we will be teaching in our introduction class their sophomore year. Their sophomore year, they pick which pathway they want to pursue. And then their junior year, they have an opportunity to take more advanced classes where it's even more hands-on opportunities working in our barns, our greenhouses, outdoor learning environments. So it's like a progression from very basic to as much hands-on opportunities as possible within these six pathways.
2: How long has the Agricultural Education Program been in place at Vincent?
11: Vincent High School, interestingly enough, started as an agriculture school back in the 70s. It was built on the northern side of Milwaukee with about 70 to 80 acres of land. What's really unique is that the school started with a focus on natural resources and agribusiness. So a lot of the classrooms had sinks and lab spaces where teachers worked with students on these agricultural sciences. As time went on and progressed, unfortunately, the program started fading out. And so around the late 90s, the program actually ended at Midtah High School. It wasn't until about 2012 when a group of science teachers decided that we have a greenhouse, we have the space, we have the facilities, let's try to bring the agriculture program back. So we started with natural resources, animal science, and all these other the six pathways that we have continued on to Vincent High School. Now we're, we're, you know, we're sitting at the six different pathways. We have a greenhouse. We have an outdoor learning barn. We have a path through our new forest, which we just planted. About 2,700 trees, as long as a native prairie and orchard outdoor classroom. So we've progressed a lot since 2012. We're moving forward to even have more things.
2: So is Milwaukee Vincent still technically considered an agricultural high school of sorts, or is it a general all-purpose high school like most other schools in the
11: state? Unique in Milwaukee Public Schools, MPS, is we have a variety of specialty high schools. What we are currently trying really hard to do is create Vincent High School to be the Vincent High School of Agricultural Sciences. So we're working on changing the name of the physical school so that both the state and the community and the students and families can recognize that Vincent is focused on these agricultural sciences. Right now, it's just another public high school with an MPS, with an Agricultural Education Department, just like many rural programs across the state. We're trying to take it a step further where majority of our curriculum will have some sort of agricultural focus on it.
2: How long have you seen strong interest and support from students and community over the past few years since the program has come back?
11: When I first started at Winston High School, I did not see much interest or knowledge that we actually had a agriculture program in the city of Milwaukee. While some people knew, and we often had Press Edmonton High School looking at our barn and our our animals at the Wisconsin State Fair, we really didn't get into the community as much as we have liked. What I am really thankful for and proud of is that we have got involved with a few local farmer's markets in the summer where we get to go sell our products that we make at school, such as lip balm, candles, and lotions but also our products, our produce that we grow in the garden and grow boxes and even our hydroponic systems. And during these farmers markets, I have seen tremendous growth in people understanding that we have an agricultural education department at Vinson High School. So during my time, during my past six years at Vincent High School, I have seen tremendous growth in both the community and students recognizing that we have agriculture at Vincent.
2: How does the Milwaukee Public School District feel about what you have going on? Have they been pretty understanding and supportive of the program's growth?
11: So NPS is a very large school district with lots going on, lots of moving pieces. And we've been thankful to have many supportive figures within NPS really trying to help our program succeed and continue on. So we're really thankful for those who have been working really hard with us because this is unique. Even a lot of our central office staff, they don't know what agricultural education is or why we need it. So we've worked really hard as a staff to show them the importance. And many people have shown interest and support in purchasing our products. But just coming to our programs that we have and just seeing the items and the opportunities we can give our students. It's a work in progress, but every year I've seen more people become involved.
2: What kind of FFA activities do you offer your students throughout the
11: year? FFA is such an integral part of agricultural education, part of the three-circle model, classroom, SAE, and FFA. The problem, I want to say, with Vincent High School is that most of our students have never experienced agriculture education at all. So when they come to Vincent High School, FFA is such a unique concept to them that it's often hard for us to connect to them, the importance of it. For these students, their first exposure to it is in high school at the ninth grade level. So we've been working, again, really hard on doing the basics, teaching students that FFA is about leadership, about going to conferences, meeting new people. So FFA is something that we've been really focused on and trying to really work with our students on. But connected to that, we work with MANNERS, which is an acronym for Minorities in Agricultural Natural Resources and Related Sciences, and we work with UW-Madison and their collegiate program, and we bring our students to Madison to show them that Black and Brown students especially can have a pathway, a career, and, and a way to have agricultural as a, a career or focus for them. So we work with Manners, we work with FFA, we're looking forward to be invested in both of those programs more in the future.
2: Milwaukee Vincent is an example of how agricultural education in FFA is continuing to grow and expose students who are removed from agriculture to the opportunities available within it. They certainly have quite the program at Milwaukee Vincent, and they don't plan on slowing down anytime soon. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Nate Zimdars.